On today's podcast, Adam Richard returns for our Mission Impossible series as we tackle Mission Impossible 3. My name is Justin Hamilton and I need to get my hands on my rabbit foot for Big Squid. Hello, welcome to today's Mission Impossible episode. Mission Impossible, I should say. My favourite pun <laughs> of the year. And uh, I don't know, sometimes you just really have to entertain yourself, don't you? Uh, the fabulous Adam Richard returns, and this is once again a fun podcast. We're loving going back over these movies, and uh, I hope you're enjoying them too. And we're doing this to gear up for the new Mission Impossible movie dropping in July, Dead Reckoning Part 1. Have you seen the trailer? <laughs> it looks great. It looks like so much fun. And look, I don't know if you like behind the scenes stuff, but there is a moment in the trailer where crazy Tom Cruise uh, leaps off a motorbike, leaping off a massive mountainside, and you can find the real stunt online. And <laughs> the real stunt is Coco Bananas. Go and check it out. It looks like it's going to be so much fun. We love these films and we're really loving going back over them. So uh, I hope you enjoy this podcast. Uh, Before we get into it, on June 13th, I'm performing my award-winning stand-up show. Yes, it won an award. Um, I show Little Victories at the Harold Park Hotel uh, here in Sydney. And my support act will be Tim Ferguson. Goodness, Tim Ferguson. You know, I, I started off in a comedy duo called The Bunza Boys, who you may have heard me talk about in the past, and our first big support was doing it for the Doug Anthony All-Stars, uh, and it just happened to be on my birthday in 1994. So we started at the end of March 94, and we ended up doing support for the Doug Anthony All-Stars at Adelaide University uh, a few months into our career. And I knew Tim and Paul and Richard from... Uh, when I was about 16 and they had done work for my mum. But anyway, uh, now Tim's doing support for me and it's great. He booked me for this uh, show. He called me and he said, would you like to come and perform for me at uh, the Harold Potter Hotel? I was like, yeah, you're Tim Ferguson. Of course I would. So it's going to be really a lot of fun. The show starts at 7.30pm and we're keeping tickets super cheap. So it's only $20 for the two of us and Tickets are limited. We're keeping it uh, pretty tight. So if you live in Sydney and you'd like to see the two of us, you can find tickets at my site on bigsquidpod.com. That's bigsquidpod.com. If you go to the site up in the top right-hand corner, it says gigs. Click on that. You'll find all the information and uh, we'd love to see you there. And uh, for anyone who saw me at the Comedy Store in October last year, the show's changed a little bit. Uh, There's some new bits. There's some uh, different parts. So if you would like to see how it's progressed, uh, you know, there'll be bonus uh, material in there for you. Speaking of bonuses, when you sign up to my Patreon, you receive access to bonus podcasts, scripts, competitions, and more. You also have an episode dedicated to you. And today's Patreon supporter is an old pal of mine, Susie Bate. Susie, 
I've been good friends with Susie, her husband Stu and daughter Maisie for a long time now. She's been a supporter of mine on and off the stage throughout all of this. She's come to gigs. She's heard me bang on about stuff. And uh, now she's a Patreon supporter, which is very kind. And hopefully, Susie, you're a Mission Impossible fan. I was racking my brain. I was thinking, do you like Tom Cruise? Do you not give a shit about Tom Cruise? Maybe you haven't seen this film, so you and Stu can rewatch it together after you hear this episode, or maybe you can do it the other way around. Anyway, let me know how you feel about having this movie as part of your shout out. So I hope you enjoy the podcast and thanks for your support, Suze. And uh, we'll talk soon. Uh, if you'd like to have an episode dedicated to you and access to all the bonus podcasts over there, head to patreon.com forward slash Justin Hamilton. That is patreon.com forward slash Justin Hamilton. And you'll find a tier that suits you. Actually, we have a very special two-part Patreon podcast coming up, like in the next week or so. It's a two-part interview from my original podcast, Can You Take This Photo, Please? It's from 10 years ago. Should I tell you who it is? Yeah, of course I'll tell you who it is. I don't know why I'm waiting for some mysterious drum roll that is quite clearly not going to happen. Anyway, it's a two-part interview from 10 years ago with the legend that is Tony Martin, one of my comedy heroes. It's a great interview and uh, I'm going to be putting that up as soon as I get an opportunity to just clean up the audio a bit because it's like 10 years old and that will be up on the Patreon. And... (laughs) it's great. I just love Tony so much and it was great to listen to him uh, talking about stuff from a decade ago. God damn. And there's already interviews up there from uh, Can You Take This Photo, Please? There's interviews from 10 years ago with Ronnie Chang, Tom Gleeson, Cal Wilson, Will Anderson. They're all fascinating. So if you'd like to dig into them, uh, please uh, check it out. There's uh, there's cheap tiers that will uh, help you out with that. And uh, yeah, I found a whole lot of stuff and I'm, I'm wrapped. I'm really wrapped that I can uh, share this stuff again because it's all gone missing over the years and blah, 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 blah. But anyway, keep an eye and an ear out for that. But now it's time to catch up with retired Impossible Missions Force agent, IMF for short. He was an agent and now he's a trainer, Ethan Hunt, and he's living a beautiful and relaxed life with his new fiance. But when trouble strikes and an elusive arms dealer begins to wreak havoc, in the world, Ethan must return to save the day. Lock and load, baby. It's time for Mission Impossible 3. Who are you? You have a, a wife, girlfriend. Whoever she is, I'm going to find her. And then I'm going to kill you right in front of her. Our first question is usually, uh, when did you first see this movie? But I kind of, uh, apart from answering that, I want to dig straight into... Oh, I have an answer for that, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. have an answer as well. But the the thing that I wanted to open up is, remember when the mystery box wasn't a bad thing? Like, it was actually quite exciting yeah. when Abrams used to talk about it? Yeah. Was that a TED Talk? Maybe. That he originally 
talked about the mystery box, the box that he'd been given by his grandfather, and yeah. the mystery of what was inside was better than than what uh, was inside. Than what was inside. <laughs> I don't. It, I don't know if it's his fault that it became a bad thing. I think so mm. many people went, "Oh yeah, that's a great idea." Yeah, and then if you if you use the mystery box idea, you. I think people think you don't have to know what's inside the box, but you no. need to know, don't you? Yeah. I mean, As look, a writer. I kind of, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think with like, I mean, the mystery box, it's the MacGuffin. It's the, mm. it's the Hitchcock MacGuffin thing. It's, it's not overly necessary. And I do think some writers get so bogged down in explaining what it is. Yeah. That we end up with films like Mission Impossible 2. Yes. Which had too much of what was in the box. Right. And a lot of... And also the, what was in the box made no sense because like, why was she wandering around on the cliff? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what's this disease that makes you walk to a cliff? <laughs> but um, so I think... I think you can split the difference, as a director used to say to me uh, yeah. in my performance, because sometimes I'd be like, ah, and then I'd be like, and he's like, right. split the difference, Adam. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think you can come out on having the mystery box still be kind of opaque, Yeah, but just explain enough. Well, we saw John Wick Chapter 4 the other day, oh, yeah. and that's kind of pitch perfect, isn't it? Yeah. I understand roughly what's going on. I, I didn't really care. Well, but it's it's enough, you know. Like mm. I don't need to know if if I go to uh, Papua New Guinea and I take one of those gold coins. Is it yeah. the same uh, currency or is it? Do, do I get more because I'm in <laughs> Papua New Guinea? Like I don't need to know that. No, I just they're the gold coins. Yeah. The gold coins mean you get treated well, and there'll be guns for you in a special room downstairs. Yeah, like that's. Well, I, I vividly remember enjoying the, the Abrams early mystery box vibe. Mm. And uh, I saw this movie at home because I needed nudging because I'd heard the second movie was so awful. Well, it was, it was actually awful, as we discovered. Yes, we did discover. And, <laughs> and I was also not in my enjoy Tom Cruise phase. And no one was. Yeah. I think you were in the zeitgeist in yeah. not enjoying Tom Cruise. Like, this was very much a... Yeah, no, no, Tom, no thanks. Yeah, I've got a whole bunch of stuff in the squid bits for that that Excellent. explains that whole area. Where did you first see it? I first saw it at a preview. Um, oh, Radio Days. Radio Days, because I did an interview with Michelle Monaghan. Oh, great. Uh, for this film. Yes. So, I went along and I was, at the time, a huge fan of Alias. Yes. So was loving Alias, was loving J.J. Abrams, was into the whole thing. Um, so, yeah, I was excited about this for a whole bunch of reasons. Uh, mainly, I love a spy movie, as I've said. I love. Um, I've in, I enjoyed the first Mission Impossible and I was hoping for a rehabilitation. Yep. Um, despite the whole Tom Cruise of it all at the time. Uh, and, you know, and... It, it did not let me down. And then I had a delightful discussion with Michelle Monaghan, who's married Great. to an Australian and totally gets the Aussie sense of humour. And you're just like, oh, you're even better in real life than you are as a, on screen. And I, you're amazing on screen. Wow. I, <laughs> I do think she's pretty shiny. Yeah. She's, she's a delight. Is she? And as, this was a phone call. 
Yeah, right. Like, not even a face face to face. Like, this is a phone call. Just me and Michelle Monaghan yeah. just having, you know, shooting shit and having fun. Having and a gas bag. Yeah, delightful. Uh, I have some thoughts on her coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, that's. How many people in the cinema? Was it just like about half a dozen? Oh, like, yeah, it was really. Right. I think it was that, that cupboard in. Yeah. Um, Paramount? Yeah. Yeah. Down the down the like because it used to be West like, Melbourne. Yeah, it was like two different distributors used yeah. to work out of there. Yeah, yeah, so cute. Uh, yeah, I saw a lot of good movies in that little yeah. cinema. I remember seeing the. I was alone watching Mean Girls because I was doing an interview with um, Tina Fey, right? And slapping my thigh and turning to the person next to me to go, "How funny is it? I am alone. You're alone." <laughs> How'd the interview with Tina Fey go? Uh, she also was wonderful. Great, like just glorious. Knows how to. Uh, bring her A game to yeah. an interview, but I was I was like completely off topic. But I was really interested in how do you turn because she this was a non fiction book that she yes. based this on. I was like, how do you find a narrative in that? Like, yeah. how do you thread that needle? Or was it just an excuse? It was just a property to use. But yeah, she was really yeah erudite on that, which was great. Yeah, great. I think she liked talking about the process as opposed oh, to, you yeah. know, everyone else is just like, just sling me some gags. Yeah, yeah. I, or I just I just want to be able to tell that amusing story that yeah. happened on set that I've told everybody. Yeah. Because it's like when you, like you get like 10 minutes or whatever it is. And in radio, I know I'm only going to use like barely 90 seconds yes. of audio. Yeah. So as long as early in the interview I get something juicy like that, one of those stories. Yes. I'm like... Well, the next nine minutes is for me. Yeah, great, great. <laughs> yeah, get the story out the way and then find out what you really want to find out. Then I'm ask some actual questions of Tina Fey that I really want answers yeah. to. <laughs> no, I respect that. That's, that's a very smart way to uh, approach all of this. Anyone getting into radio, make sure you get the, the boring question out the way and then talk about what you really want yeah. to talk about. I did a 10-minute interview with Brad Bird where I just was like, like digging into what it was like working on The Simpsons. Oh, yeah, great. And, you know, some fascinating stuff, like, which I'm sure no one wanted to ask him. <laughs> yeah, but I bet he was up for chatting. Yeah, about. he was yeah. mad for it. Um, our segment, Stamp That Passport, locations we have visited. Uh, China? Yes. You've been to Shanghai, have you? I have you? been to Shanghai. It's yeah. spectacular. It is terrifying. Yeah. Um, like cars go all over the place, but they all know how each other drive, so it's fine. It's fine, right? Like it's like, oh yeah, no, they accept that they're going to drive across four lanes to get there. Like, right? It's just, and everyone honks. Yeah. You know, the really scary thing is all the electric bikes, all the electric, the, oh. the electric scooters. Yeah. So you'll just hear, and you're like, whoa, it's someone up my ass. Where did they come from? Right. Right. <laughs> Because you can't hear the engine. Like, there's no putt, putt, putt. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting very close to stop walking around Surrey Hills with my uh, noise-cancelling headphones on listening to podcasts. Yeah, it's terrifying. It is terrifying. Um, where does Hong Kong stand now? It's, it's just, part of China? Yeah, it's just yeah, down the like road. It's officially a part yeah. of China. Now. I mean, they still have their own democracy, yes. allegedly. Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's... Yeah, I went to Shanghai and Hong Kong within a week of each other. It was great. Yeah. Uh, I've been to Hong Kong, performed at the Hong Kong Fringe. Oh, fun. Which was fun. Uh, Germany, have you been to Berlin? I have not been to Berlin. I have been to Berlin. I thought it was pretty wonderful, actually. Mm. was there for a few days. I've always wanted to go. It looks like the people who live there look very interesting. I mean, in the movies that I watch. Oh, the, yeah. The nature documentaries. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you been to Italy? 
Rome? No, I'd love to go to Italy. The uh, Vatican City looks berserk. Yeah. Uh, I went. Uh, so I've been to Vatican City and Rome, but mm-hmm. I was a kid. So I've been keen to go back as a grown up. Um, and then US, California, we I have, have been to. Yeah, we both been uh, there. Virginia and Maryland. I'm guessing we have both not been to. No, I haven't been there. Uh, and the Florida Keys, is that? Florida Keys, never been there. No. No. Uh, segment, the year in action. These are oh, the other movies. I love finding this out. This is my yeah. favourite bit. <laughs> it, well, it's, it's fascinating, isn't it, right? So, Crank. Oh. Crank came out. Christopher Nolan's favourite Fast and Furious movie, Tokyo Drift. I really enjoyed Tokyo Drift. Right. Like, I really enjoyed it. It's it's his favorite. Yeah, it's it's great because it's because it's set in Japan where the streets are you know winding and narrow. Yeah, it's called Tokyo Drift for a reason because all the driving is drifting, which yeah. is I've discovered playing video games very difficult to do. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also, you kind of go well. It's a natural progression for Fast and Furious because they're driving these very small Japanese cars. Right. That have been hotted up. So yep. why not go to where they make them? Right. Or where and, they're designed. <laughs> and does that have like barely any of the original cast in it? Yeah, there's just one guy. Right. Who is in the other bits of the franchise. But it's mainly this kid, this American kid who's in school yep. in Japan. Because Too Fast, Too Furious was too silly. Yeah. Um, and had no Vin Diesel. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I thought it was all about family. Yeah, it was all about family until he decided it was all about money. Right. Um, but yeah, there's a there's it, I I honestly believe that Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift started us down our horrible path of post credit sequences and surprises at the end of movies that make you go oh oh right there's okay. another one when did uh, so this comes out before um, this uh, comes out before Marvel doesn't it? Iron Man was 2010 no, no 20, 28 2008 yeah yeah. Ah, interesting. Uh, they always said that it was the end of um, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, yeah. No, but that's like just talking to the camera. Yeah. Like, that's a different thing. No, but uh, I've, Kevin Feige's talked about the after credits. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. This I'm talking about uh, but this is probably a, an end of the movie revelation that makes you go, hang on a minute. Right. Is Ving turns up, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Vin right. Diesel pops up right at the yeah. end and you're like, Oh, they're gonna make another one. Yeah. <laughs> I keep I keep calling him I keep calling him Ving even though I know he's Vin, but it's because we've got Ving Rames in this and I also just don't care about Vin. Um other movies that came out that year, Underworld Evolution. Oh no. Yeah. Kate Beckinsale. Yeah. She seems like a lovely girl. She looks like heaps of fun. Yeah. She's a terrible actor. Um <laughs> and um and a little Bond film called Casino Royale. Oh. So this is interesting because Royale yeah. comes out and goes born yeah. in, in vibe to it's, a certain extent. And it's big, it's action. It's, yeah. You know, what is Martin Campbell, who directed it, said he wanted it to feel like a knife fight in a phone box. Yeah. <laughs> <That is. laughs> wow. I did not know that. That is a great description. It does feel like that. Like that was his kind of concept. It's such a great film. Um. Then uh, our next segment, All Star Guest Stars. Uh, mm-hmm. We have, I'm, I'm, I'm limiting it to this bunch because there's so many stars. Oh, in it's it. chockers. So Ving Rames, yes, uh, Philip Seymour Ving. Hoffman, uh, Michelle Monaghan, who, uh, as we will talk later on, is my secret MVP for this movie. <laughs> uh, Maggie Q, 
Jonathan mm-hmm. Reese Myers, who I think is really good in this. Yeah, I, like I quite like him as the good-looking offsider. It's, uh, he's there's a charm that he often doesn't display because he's always playing assholes. Well, they, yeah, they kind of give him. Yeah, he he just gets to kind of be cool. Yeah, yeah, uh, Billy and Cr- young and young. <laughs> yes, uh, Billy Crudup, mm-hmm. great. Kerry Russell, great. Simon Pegg. Great. Like, it's such a... Everyone's fun. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne, nailing it. Uh, Aaron Paul. <laughs> Aaron Paul. Now, I don't know if you could... I mean, he is a celebrity, he's but he's got, like, two lines. He was nobody. But he's... But he's uh, but he is someone now. Well, he is I mean? someone now. And he yeah. gets a couple of scenes. Yeah. Like, he gets an important scene. He gets an important scene, but also he seems like, you know, you're like, oh... You were really typecast after that. No, oh, man. You, you. <laughs> you were the useless asshole forever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tough times. Uh, Eddie Marzen, who has appeared in countless movies. And, you know, you have to mention him because he's in all of Abram's films. Uh, Greg Grunberg. Oh, yeah. He has a scene. Bless yeah. him. <laughs> Where he gets to just hang shit on Tom Cruise for being yeah. boring. Uh, segment, Cruising Around the Mission. These are the movies Tom Cruise made before and after. So, oh. so Mission Impossible 2 was in 2000. Yes. So, keep that in mind. So, 2002, Minority Report. Amazing film. 2003, The Last Samurai. Not such a good film. 2004, <laughs> Collateral. A really good film. Yep. 2005, War of the Worlds. I, I love that film. It's but great. Spiel, like Spielberg and Cruise, I feel like like they only had a couple of goes at it, but they really nailed it. They knew what they were doing. War of the Worlds, I'd make two changes. Yep. What what movie's Tim Robbins in? <laughs> He's in a different movie. Like it's I just it's just tonally there's something It's really weird. And uh I love Spielberg, but when people complain that he's too sentimental, I think he ruins the ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Uh, you know what's really good is um, Have you been to Universal Studios And you go past the the crashed plane that Oh no Which is from War of the Worlds Which right. they use all the time Because it's right. just there Right Like they, they built a crashed plane Right For War of the Worlds And like people use it all the time for other shit Right <laughs> I went to Universal Studios in 89 uh, So 90 so. I know me and Will went And we were drinking on the tram car ride And everyone's like Hey look at these guys and we're like We're Australians This is what we do that is so funny. <laughs> that is so funny. Um, so this comes out in 2006. Then you get 2007, you get Lions for Lambs. Now, I enjoyed that film, but it's it's difficult. Yeah. Then 2008, how's this for a whiplash? Tropic Thunder. Yes. And Valkyrie. Oh, wow. So he goes from playing a fat movie producer to yeah. a Nazi. Yeah. Also... He played that fat movie producer at the MTV Awards. Like, he came out and did a dance on the stage. Yes. Hilarious. Which I think was the re- rehabilitation of Tom Cruise. It's it's the beginning, right? Yeah. I I think he's the weak link in that movie. In Tropic Thunder. Yeah. Yeah, well, he's not in it that much. I know, but everyone said how great it is, but it was just so... Also, there's, there's, there's blackface. Unapologetic blackface, which yes, I but, know is meant to be kind of satirical. But, that's sat- but it is a satire. Yeah, but I feel like it starts to... Fall away <laughs> Nah, nah also, I, I, I stand right by that I think it's a work <laughs> of genius I, Because he has the African American guy Next to him Who's yes. calling him out Throughout the whole, the whole film. film I know It's just It's Yeah The other thing that I find Difficult is um, The ben, <laughs> ben Stiller Doing Sean Penn And I Am Sam Like that's <laughs> it's, But it's It's, it's satirising actors I also understand It's very satirical It's just 
I, I stand so, by that Sometimes film. I find some of the comedy and it's so broad that I'm like, oh, are you losing the point of your satire here? Nah, I reckon it's all the way. I, I, I back that film 100%. I'm, uh, I'm an unabashed fan and uh, I will go into a knife fight in a phone booth for uh, Tropic Thunder, except for the, the Tom Cruise bits. He, he wins you back with the dancing at the end the dancing at and the, the end credits. is amazing. <laughs> Uh, and then to and then to round that out, uh, 2010, Night and Day. Did you ever see that? I did see that, and I really enjoyed it because yeah. it was exactly what it promised me—a stupid yeah. action film with Tom Cruise and yeah. Cameron Diaz. Yeah, great. That's all I wanted. Remember, he, didn't he turn up somewhere on a motorbike? Yeah, <laughs> he's he's insane. He's, anyway, he's a lunatic. So let's get to this movie. It opens with Philip Seymour Hoffman's character threatening to murder a woman who we don't quite know who she is yet, but she's quite clearly important to Ethan Hunt, mm-hmm. who was played by Michelle Monaghan. And uh, what do you think of this beginning? It's, it's a strong beginning, but it feels like an episode of a TV show as opposed to a big screen movie. Right. It feels like, ooh, you're used to how these movies, like how these TV, this, this show starts. Yeah. Where you're usurping the paradigm this yeah. week. And it's like, no, it's not this week. This is the first time in six years, mate. Yeah. Like, don't give me a weird opening to a TV show. Like, yeah. It's, it, I, I, I find that the most problematic bit, especially because we go through the whole sequence again later. Yes. Like, it's, it's giving us, uh, I kind of get what, what it's there for. Well, it's definitely showing us that it's not the previous movie. No, that's true. Because <laughs> it's very small and in a small space. Yeah. And it's not sweeping cameras and slow motion. Yeah. And doves. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, so uh, you you brought up before we got into this. You brought mm. up the criticism that it feels a bit TV. Yeah, it feels like. And a, TV uh, show. a, a friend of ours, uh, Alexi Toliopoulos, uh, had said to me in a conversation that this was his least favorite mm-hmm. of the Mission Impossible films. And you said, oh, "I think it's because it doesn't feel cinematic," which was an interesting thing to have pointed out because I've only watched it on TV, where uh, it feels fine. Yeah. It feels fine on TV. Yeah. But, you know, we're putting it into the context of I haven't seen one of... It's been six years yeah. since the last film. Yeah. I love these films. Yeah. I'm really excited. And everything... Like, even the, the scenes, which I know that they filmed, <laughs> of him jumping over buildings, like mm. the whole big Shanghai business. Mm. Like, it, none of it feels as spectacular as it should yeah, it feels a bit too close up. Yeah. Like he's hedging his bets with his budget, but his yeah. budget's great because it's a movie. It's a it's a Tom Cruise movie. Yeah. Like the budget is like, I know, sure, half of it is Tom Cruise. Um, but he produces these films and he's got money to spare. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it just, it, like, and as an opening, that feels like, um, and I kind of get the, you know, when you watch a TV show from the 60s or 70s, like a Mission Impossible, yeah. you get those weird, like, flashes of what's going to happen this week. You know, this week, a Mission Impossible, bang, yeah. image, image, image. And this scene kind of has that sort of feel that, oh, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. But, and then it does happen later on. But it's just, uh, yeah. But given that the very next scene is at a party, yeah. I'm like, well, yeah, we do need something exciting before the movie starts. Yeah. Like, I get why it's there. It just, yeah, it just feels like an episode of a TV show. Even, like, it's that party as well. Also, it feels like like we're watching an episode of Felicity. That's <laughs> uh, so funny. So, how, how would you have started it then? Um, I would have started it with, like, one of those stupid furfies. Like, you know, like... Like a, a James Bond movie starts with a scene that's ab- 
absolutely unrelated to anything that happens later on. Right. Like Mission Impossible 2 starts with him hanging off a rock for no reason whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like give us one of those. Yeah, you could have had him off doing something insane and then yeah. his wife calls him and said, Are you, did you remember to pick up the eyes? Yeah. Just on my way, honey. As yeah. he straps a, a, I don't know, a yacht to his nutsack and, <laughs> and uses it to surf behind. And, and also, I get that the other reason <laughs> they couldn't do that is because he's left that life, he's training now. So, yeah. you know, you can't do that, like, in the, in the confines of the story. Yeah. Like, I get... You know the choice that they've made, but it just feels—it feels like it minimizes it somewhat. Yeah, but yeah, and yeah, and I—I I just would have loved to have seen a big set piece to open the film. Could you have had a set piece that ends up being a training well, scenario in the end, and it was all or, a dream, or something <laughs> that is like a um, just a supermarket being robbed. And then he just, oh, yeah. and then he takes everyone out without anyone really noticing. Yeah, one of and those then, kind of things. And then takes a phone call immediately, walking out. Yeah. Uh, did you get the ice? You know, and so it shows he's still got his skills. Yeah, like that would have been a great opening. And then you go, oh, that's weird. Like, what? Yeah. What just happened then? Oh, hang I, on, he's at a party. I think the other thing is like, you know, having seen that scene earlier in the film, like at the very opening of the film. So when it comes up later, we've already seen it and we accept that she's going to get kidnapped at some point. Yeah. Whereas if that wasn't there yeah. and you're suddenly, she's been kidnapped, it's like, well, this is a bit convenient. How did they find it? Like it, all those questions start to occur to you. Yeah, for sure. Whereas because you've introduced it earlier, you just ignore all that. Well, all, the, all of him running around isn't going to amount to anything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. yeah. It's just, uh, it, yeah. Yeah. It's an it's an interesting. I don't think it's a great choice, but I see that they kind of painted themselves into a corner with it. It's at least a choice, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. Uh, the what does work is that you get some Philip Seymour Hoffman early. Yeah, you know the other thing as you, I didn't realize this was the same year as Casino Royale, and they would have known that that was happening. They would have mm. known there's a reboot of Bond. There's a new yeah. actor taking on James Bond. And one thing that this franchise has always struggled with is being unfairly compared to, you know, James Bond, given yeah. that it started off on TV as like a pastiche of that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so they would have been been really conscious of, okay, what's what's something that happens in Bond films all the time? He just has some flirtation with a woman and she sometimes dies. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't really mean anything. So let's give Ethan a relationship that means something. Yeah. And put her in peril, which is something that won't happen in James Bond. Yeah. Like, I mean, it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in Casino that, Royale, but I guess they didn't think... They that, didn't know that. They didn't know yeah. it was going to go there. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think that's uh, that was probably a really conscious choice of let's try and be the anti-Bond. Let's, yeah. let's be the monogamous Bond. Yeah. Let's be the, the happy family Bond. You know, I wonder if you could have just started with the party. The yeah, par- the party's kind of fun. The party's fun, but you know, it's a it's an action spy movie. You want to yeah. open with a big bit, yeah. And I like again, I don't know that you know shooting someone who's tied up is enough of a big bit either. Like yeah, it's, that's a small again. Like I said, the whole film feels small, feels and all the big moments are in small rooms. Yeah, it's yeah. it all feels very controlled and studio bound. Uh, I do love the party. Uh, party is great. J.J. Abrams. 
never uh, holding back in booking beautiful people to be oh, in yeah. parties. Aaron Paul looks great. So beautiful. <laughs> everyone looks beautiful. Everyone at that party is um, having the, the time of their lives. I love that everyone likes him but thinks Ethan Hunt's boring. Mm-hmm. But I also love that he can't help but use his superpowers, like when he lip reads them <laughs> yes! having the conversation. And they're like, how did he know what we how were saying? That? Um, <laughs> which also sets up a scene later on. A scene on, later which on, great. which is great. Um, I love the bummer speech by the sister-in-law. Oh, my God. She is a bummer. Yeah. Fuck, I hate Debbie her so Downer. much. <laughs> I, I really hate her and you only see her for a, for a few seconds, but it's like, oh, here we go. Yeah. Here we go, fucking bringing up the tragedy of our of our past while we're trying to have a good time with all these beautiful people. Uh, but stop giving me character development. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Who invited my sister? Oh, I guess she's the only one in my family left. This is a disaster. But um, the highlight of the whole party for me is it has uh, Tom Cruise doing what I love. Tom Cruise doing, which is pretending to be normal, oh, pretending to be human, yeah. just like just like it's in that the first movie when he's pretending to be a workmate. Hey, you, this is how workmates work, isn't it? This, oh, a, this, this is great. Wacky banter. Look at me. I'm a happy guy that lives it's in a house. Just, <laughs> just him standing there going, <laughs> "Great joke." It's like you didn't you like you recognize it was a joke. Yeah. But you do not know. We know people like that, bless them. Yeah, some of them are some of the most successful comedians this country's ever produced. Yeah. <laughs> but um, Psychopaths, but lovely, lovely, lovely psychopaths. Lovely. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so Ethan is called back into action via a secret camera and is soon off on a rescue oh. mission to save one of his protégés, Lindsay Farris, played by Kerry Russell. By the uh, way, can we just bring up secret camera? Like, yeah, when was the last time anyone had a wind-on disposable camera so in their good. life? <laughs> I think this was the that was the end of that yep. technology already. Yeah, <laughs> but it was, and, and that's I, I kind of like it. It's almost like is is this going steampunk? Like what is going on here? Um, and uh, they travel to Berlin to uh, save Lindsay, still two damaged laptops, and make their escape, but not in time before an explosive pellet implanted in Lindsay's head explodes and kills her. Uh, do, do you reckon we lose Lindsay too early? Um, oh, look, no, I think that's carrying on the, the Mission Impossible, Impossible film tradition. Yeah. I think number two didn't have enough of that. I think yeah. they needed to kill someone famous really early. Yes. Because that's one of the things I love about that first movie is that we get rid of Kristen Scott Thomas and Emilio Estevez. <laughs> yeah. like, they're all gone. It's and it's like, like, oh, this has got Felicity in it. Oh, no, it doesn't. Uh, <laughs> she's so good too. She's amazing. It's. Uh, I think she's so amazing. She's at the expense of another character, but I'll discuss that later. Okay. Yep. But no, let's bring it up now. Is it Maggie Q? Poor Maggie Q. She doesn't get much. She does gets she? nothing. Yeah, and she's, she's really cool. She's a great actor, yeah. amazing um, stunt performer, and yeah. just gets nothing. Yeah, like it's the most underwritten character in this film. Yeah, it's a bummer, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's a bummer because uh, once again, Abrams, especially in this mm. era, very good with women characters, very good with cool women who know how yeah. to kick ass. And, uh, yeah, she just... Like, the only the, the, decent scene she has is driving a Maserati. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she looks great. She's amazing. Like, and, yeah, I've seen her in so much... I've seen her be incredible in terrible shows. Yeah. Um, she She's in that awful uh, movie reboot of Fantasy Island, and she's spectacular. Right. Like, I'm like, this is terrible, but I love her. Yeah. Yeah. She's great. Yeah. <laughs> Um, 
I like that uh, there, there are technology upgrades, though. It seems like the technology mm. in the film is mm-hmm. a little bit more less than we're waiting for, you know, like in the second film. Oh, man. <laughs> it's like <laughs> all the way through that film, it's like they're trying to log on and, uh, <laughs> you know. I can't get a signal. <laughs> can't get a signal. So I, I, I like this that. laptop can connect to the <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the I've just got to get these sheep to walk quicker to create energy. <laughs> Um, and Luther feels properly cool again. Yeah, like he seemed a bit like the bumbling sidekick oh, in yeah. the second film, but he's properly cool again. Uh, interesting the the flight between the wind turbines between the two helicopters mm. once again speaks to what you were saying, which is it, it's it's shot tight. It's so tight. There's yeah. so many scenes where you're like, if this was, and maybe this is down to. Uh, not having the budget for visual effects. I don't know. Yeah. But it's like if it was a wider shot, and I know that's kind of more of a thing from now. Yeah. But a lot of things are big widescreen shots. Yeah. Like I remember going to see Jurassic Park on at the IMAX because they released a 3D version of it. Oh, right. And I was like, I'm going to see this. And I was astounded at how many cropped off heads – like gigantic people's heads, and I'm like, oh, this is the film that Spielberg directed mostly via video link from right. Prague while he was making Schindler's List. Yeah. So he's watched most of it on a small monitor. Yeah. It probably looks great yeah. on your phone or your TV. Yeah. Um, but in the cinema, other than a few big spectacular moments with dinosaurs eating leaves off trees, it's very small. Yeah, right. And kind of like it's designed for small screens. And I feel like this is still in the aftermath of that. Like, yep. John Woo was making a big screen Mission yes. Impossible. Yes, Brian De Palma was making a big screen Mission Impossible. Yeah. I think J.J. Abrams is trying to make a big screen, but he's only made TV Yeah, up to this point, I think. Yeah. And yeah. hasn't thought to pull the camera out a bit Yeah, and let us see the spectacle. Because it's not... Like, you can't afford it, mate. Yeah. Like, just... Get someone to paint in the extra bits at the side. That yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but it, it would have looked because uh, it looks like it's such a great idea. Yeah, yeah. And there's so many of those. Like later on when they have the fight on the bridge, like I'm like, so much of it is close-ups of Tom. I'm like, that could be anywhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> they might be. Um, just in case uh, anyone. Uh, uh, wasn't sure that Luther was now cool. I love that he quotes uh, George Bernard Shaw's line of those who can do, those who can't teach. And it's like, <laughs> oh yeah, he's, he's dropping some truth bombs as well. Uh, we meet Fishburne's character, IMF director Theodore Brassel, who is instantly placed as the guy Egan uh, must rebel against. And Crudup as Ethan's guy yep. is also great because he's, he's very early on, Regardless of how it turns out, mm. he's so good at straddling the line of "I don't know about this guy." Mm. Oh, you know what? He's on my side. Oh, he's just one of those awful conservative types that deep down is a little bit rebellious. Yeah, that's what it feels like early yeah. on, don't you think? I mean, it is Billy Crudup, and yeah. he's always a dickhead. Always, always a dickhead. He's I so mean, good. and also I think around this time, wasn't this around the time that he dumped his pregnant wife for Claire Danes? Oh, right, right. <laughs> So you just immediately go in with a pre-knowledge of Billy Crudup. He's bad. It's funny. I, I don't like him. I <laughs> never remember that and everyone brings it up with me. Every Anytime I sort of say, oh, Billy Crudup was in it and he was good. You know he left his pregnant wife. Oh, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, okay. No. 
Um, we get uh, Lindsay's funeral and we see the bond that she had with Ethan. Mm, and oh, uh, I have to tell you, is it kind of edgy that Luther asks Ethan if he was banging Lindsay? Oh, yeah. Like that feels just like not something that would happen in latter movies. Like that's a pretty yeah. edgy moment yeah. in the film. Also, it's it's Tom Cruise. We don't believe he's banging Michelle Monaghan, let alone well, Lindsay. <laughs> we will get to that later. We will get to that later. And there is a reason why she's my stealth MVP of this film. Um, I will say, I reckon, you know, that weird montage of training with Lindsay. Yeah. Like something from that could have been a better opening than the one we got. Yeah. Like an extended version of them. And it turns out that it's only training. Yep. Like, it looks like it's a real, you know, do or die situation. It's like, because they're obviously filmed some of it or something for it. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe it could have been them doing something and then it finishes with her, him saying, you're good to go and and shakes her hand and then it cuts immediately to her captured. Yeah. Or, you know, what else could have been interesting is, you know, that scene in Silence of the Lambs where they're going in and it looks like it's a really thing. Yeah. Something's happening and then all the lights come on and it's just all fake bodies. And yeah. it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, she's just doing training. Yeah. Yeah, great. <laughs> yeah, that would have been good. Yeah. Um, anyway, I don't know why, but they're just uh, him asking if he was having sex with her while he's trying to talk him out of getting married. And yeah. then he's asking, and, you know, I had to ask because someone's going to ask. It's like, what were they? Were they? He's 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 been on the uh, internal Slack and uh, yeah, yeah. he's been in many Slack conversations. Like, why does she keep getting commendations oh, he's, from he's, him? He's fucking breaking into everyone's <laughs> messages. Oh yeah, that's, that's what right. he's he doing. Can get into that. He's dirty <laughs> asshole, Luther. And he's, he's looked at all their text messages. He goes, ah, oh, that doesn't seem like they're organising to hook up, but I'm sure they are. <laughs> oh yeah, stickle by name, stickle by nature, Luther. Um. Lindsay mails. Uh, we discover that Lindsay mailed a postcard to Ethan with a micro dot under the stamp. Oh. What percentage of secret messages have you missed over the years because you haven't checked? <laughs> I immediately, or, or because I popped the micro dot in my eyeball thinking it was acid. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> this is great. How can we mash this up? So funny. Um, I, I love these little moments when they discover stuff like that, but they yeah. do this well. Like I, I feel yeah. like they get to it. In a way that is fair. Yeah. Yeah. Because sometimes it can be, uh, we're over here, has anyone thought this? No, why would anyone oh, think that? Like we were talking the other day about the Batman. It's like, why did no one else look under the rug? Yeah, well... Why did it only take Batman to look under the rug? Yeah, because Gotham is corrupt. Yeah, well, that <laughs> makes sense. But uh, they weren't corrupt. Like, they weren't being paid off by the Riddler. No. <laughs> Not to look under his rug. Well, maybe they were. <laughs> Made them all lazy. Maybe maybe one of them said, "Have you checked under the rug?" And then one of the cops had a piece on, and he, then then it offended everybody. And, <laughs> I don't know. Um, what are you saying about my hair? Yeah. Oh no! Don't bring up the rug again. Oh, well, Batman can. He doesn't give a shit. He doesn't know Jeff. Um, he doesn't know Jeff. He doesn't know Jeff. He'll Poor be fine. Old Jeff. Yeah. He's embarrassed about it. Old bold Jeff. <laughs> on, you know that's why he hasn't gotten a promotion. <laughs> Well, that's what Bald Jeff thinks anyway. Doesn't realise that Bald Jeff fucking stinks. 
Shower, mate. Wear some deodorant. Wash your rug. It stinks. Like that. Br- brush your teeth. That's why everyone keeps talking about or, the rug. Or do what, you know, sensible people with rugs do and buy four. And yeah. then you have a haircut and you pop on the short one one day. Ah, that's a smart move. Yeah, short one one week. Next one a bit longer, a bit longer. Then after the fourth week, you go back to the first one. I've, yeah. been, to the, I've been to the barbers and had a haircut. Yeah, I do that with a merkin. <laughs> The, the idea of your luxurious long. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Do you have a man bun down there? It's, uh, that's week four. It's a Merkin man bun. I, I, I work. I work up towards it. Anyway. Your Merkin mullet. Uh, yeah. Starts off as a, a Merkin crew cut, then it's a, a, a Merkin. Then it looks just like John Travolta. Uh, well, it, it, to be honest, it's based on Keanu Reeves and. Um, Oh my god Anyway But it does actually look more like John Travolta Um, So we're introduced to IMF technician Benji As played by Simon Pegg before he discovers abs And we also meet Hoffman's villain Owen Davian Who is heading to Vatican City to obtain a mysterious object Known as the rabbit's foot Or as Benji refers to it as the anti-god Yeah I wonder if Peg's ability to make the explanation of what the anti-god is sounds so remotely plausible and fun that's that scene alone is why he's in subsequent movies. Oh yeah. Cuz he like his presence kind of sidelines Luther realistically because they yeah. have the same skill set yeah. essentially. Yeah. Just that Luther's on the outside, Benji's on the inside. On the inside. Yeah. Um yeah, I I think Peg's great. He's uh, he's fantastic. He's so good. Uh, yeah, I, but I will say Hoffman, like what a great casting choice. So good. Like this is the thing that they've gotten right from Bond in this yep. film is yep. like the villain yep. needs to be a better actor yep. than the lead. Yeah. It needs to be someone with charisma, someone with menace, someone yep. that you absolutely believe is up to no good. Yeah. You know, like... And it's a good year for it as well because you yeah. get him and you get Mads Mikkelsen yeah. in Casino Royale with yeah. his with his drippy eye. Oh, his bleeding eye. So good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just... Uh, and also someone that can do quiet menace. Yes. Like, he's never... Like, he's terrifying, but, you know, it's like Meryl Streep in The Devil Wears Prada. He never really shouts at anyone. Yes. And, uh, and deceptively, like, he's a big guy as well. Yeah. So, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, it's... It's uh, like that's that's the obvious MVP. Yeah, like oh. it's, but that's just that's just a great like. It's like oh, we got this guy. He's the worst guy in the world. He's an arms dealer who wants to buy the worst weapon ever invented that we haven't really defined. Yeah, um, but he wants it and he's going to do something bad with it. Yeah, and I believe that person could be Hoffman. Yeah, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He seems like he would do that. And I believe <laughs> I believe the only person who can explain it properly in a in a fun way is Simon Pegg. Yeah, yeah. It's it's all very good. Yeah. Uh, before they head off on their adventure, though, Ethan decides to quickly marry Julia at the hospital without giving her any explanation as to who he really is. No. She says yes and is also up for a quickie in some empty room to consummate the marriage. <laughs> as as someone who believes that Tom Cruise would rather photosynthesize than have sex. <laughs> It's just the moment you realise how brilliant Michelle Monaghan is because I actually buy that Ethan's into her and does want to have sex with her. Oh, I totally buy that he's into her. Yeah. Like, because she seems fun. 
yes. Like, yeah, and non-judgmental yeah. and smart and good at her job. Yes. She's got hot friends. She's, I mean, like, J.J. <laughs> Abrams is amazing at this kind of character. Yes. Like, he's great at casting them. He's great at writing them. Mm. Um, he like, And he just, you know, look at, look at the people he's chosen for shows, like, Kerry Russell in Felicity, yeah. amazing choice. Yeah. Um, Evangeline Lilly in Lost. Yes. Incredible choice. Yeah. Even yeah. Uh, what's her face in Star Wars, Ray. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like she's incredible. Like you, yeah. just really compelling, beautiful, like, yeah. which unfortunately they all are. <laughs> they're all breathtakingly stunning. Yeah. But they're all brilliantly talented and uh, really like. But yeah, I think Daisy Ridley. Daisy Ridley, that's her name. Yeah. But Michelle Monaghan absolutely just is all over this. Yeah. Like And then that's what I mean about her being the stealth MVP. Yeah. You do feel like the stakes are high because he is actually into her. Yeah. And Philip Seymour Hoffman does seem like he's the type of person that would snuff out a beautiful person like Michelle Monaghan. Yes, without thinking. <laughs> For the rabbit's foot. What yeah. is it? We what don't is know. It? We don't know. <laughs> Why does everyone keep asking? It's in a canister anyway. that looks bad. It's got, some, it's got some bad symbols on it. It's got symbols of terror. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Uh, now, uh, the all-out action is like when the action kicks into gear. Oh, finally. Yeah. Well, we, 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 we did have the... We had the, the Germany scenes. But you know what I found again about that was all of the big action sequences seemed like they were just in a warehouse somewhere. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, are we in Germany? You just told us we were. Yeah. Uh, but now this feels. Yeah. We're in Vatican City. We're in Vatican City, and it feel and this feels the most Bond. Yeah. Like this feels like a proper spy movie. We're dressing as priests. Yeah. We're hiding in tunnels. Yeah. Um, and then it goes full Mission Impossible. We're putting on a mask so we look like Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. No, no explanation of how big the suit is. <laughs> it's great. It's. Uh, I, I love how the. Um, I, I like watching the mask get made. Yeah. Because it's 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 just done in a way where you go, this is all bullshit, but I'm buying it. Yeah. But now we have 3D printers and we're like, oh, yeah, they, yeah. Were, they were kind of on the money. Yeah, yeah, that's how, how it that works. Happened. Um, I also love the uploading of the voice print. Like, that's yes. a really – I mean, it's such an old thing. It's like trying to get the car to start when yes. the, you're trying to get out of something. Like, it's a it's a beautiful fake tension builder. Yeah. But it just works so well. The the coughing, like, mm, one second. What, yeah. like, and Hoffman just delivers it beautifully. Well, I, I don't know how he does it, but it feels like he's Tom Cruise. Yes. <laughs> It's a really, it's a really <laughs> deft performance because it's like, oh, I'm Tom Cruise now in a Philip Seymour Hoffman suit. Yeah, and it's, you believe that you do believe it, like from his acting. Yeah, it's a really great moment. He also does uh, something in, like, in all of this action mm. and all of these moments. Um, he does something so small that really sums up his character as well, mm. and it's when he takes. A drink, a drink off someone's tray, and he does it with such disdain that the person nearly tips the tray over, yeah. and he just doesn't give a shit. Yeah, and it's such a small thing that you just feel like that's his choice. He's yeah. decided he's going to do that. He's a powerful person, mate. He's so good. I, re- I honestly, I would love to say I haven't watched any behind the scenes of this, but I would love to know if, if Hoffman got Tom Cruise to play the scene, yeah, 
as he would yep. and then just mimicked him. Oh, yeah. Because the physicality yeah. is it's, really like the kind of urgent, no, 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 don't yeah, come in. I'm just coughing like... Yeah, it feels like that jagged yeah, manic that really kind thing. of Yeah, because Cruz is like a really tightly wound coil. Yeah. And Hoffman's kind of loach in this yeah. film. And yeah. it's just like a moment of like really... This isn't how this guy has behaved up till now. No. I know you're not a... Uh, PTA fan, but have you seen the outtake of him and Joaquin Phoenix trying to do a scene on The Master and they're having to light cigarettes and they no. just they've got they've got the bad giggles. Oh, awesome! And it's really, <laughs> but even them getting the giggles is kind of low key because it's a kind of like a low key intense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scene. It's uh, it's worthwhile watching because oh, they're fun. You know, because they're. You can hear that people are starting to get a little bit, come on, you got to get this right. Now. Yeah. And it's like, they're, it's, it's they're, late in the day. They're fucked. And we're delirious. Yeah. And like, yeah, because sometimes you film overnight. Like, I had one of those where it was like 5 a.m. And every time I opened my mouth, it was just gibberish came out. I'm like, I know the line. It's just, this is what comes out of my mouth now. It's 5.45 in the morning. We've been filming since 6 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> this is who I am now. I am a gibber, gibber. Um... <laughs> Uh, there's a part of me that, um, you know, when they leave and they've gotten him, if they'd finished the film, like this kind of gets back to once again, what you're talking about TV. Mm -hmm. It feels like it's the end of the episode. Yeah. And like, and you know, to be continued. Yeah. 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 But it feels like, yeah, we've got him. It's all sorted out. Yeah. And now we're going to go home. Uh, so we do get the scene where Ethan interrogates Davian and doesn't cope with how calm the villain is. Oh, yeah. So I reckon... Uh, I reckon... So this is my take. Mm. Cruz's acting through the Mission Impossible movies is, is uh, three notches higher because of this scene where he has to be opposite Hoffman. Yep. I reckon Hoffman elevates him. Yeah. I and, think, and, he's, I think, and he's really good. I think Cruz like, wants to be an amazing actor. Yeah. And he will take a lesson from anyone. Yeah. Just like he'll give anyone a lesson in how to fly a plane and yeah. ride a motorbike and do anything crazy. Yeah. When it comes to like those small intimate moments, he's like, yeah, I'm ready. I'm yeah. ready to soak up whatever's given to me. Yeah. And having someone like Hoffman opposite him, like you, this scene makes you go, oh man, why? They should have done more movies together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Funnily enough, like uh, I'd love to see them do a small character piece together. Like, yeah, you know, like imagine them in in like a Rain Man, right? You know, yeah. or something where it's just because like Rain Man crews learn so much from working with the other Hoffman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like I'd love to see. Yeah, it's sad that we lost Philip Seymour Hoffman. Like he would. Yeah. That would have been a great film. Hearing some of the, the processes is yeah. fascinating. Oh, yeah. The, um, as I was watching this YouTube clip of Nolan interviewing Michael Mann, Robert De Niro and Al Pacino about uh, Heat. Yes. And uh, De Niro didn't want to rehearse the yeah. diner scene. And so they were just moving in and out, just kind of matching each other. And yeah. Mann was just kind of watching it through the camera going, holy shit, this is... A masterclass, but this is also where Pacino uh, reveals that it, they didn't bother to tell anyone, but he and Michael Mann decided that his character is chipping coke at, uh, <laughs> just at, at different points of the day. So that's why when he comes in hot on those two scenes, yeah. like there's only two scenes where he is fucking really big, but he yeah. is so big, and Michael Mann nearly ruined it because. Uh, uh, 
oh god, what's his name? The very funny Hank Azaria. Oh yeah. So when he's yelling at Hank Azaria, like Hank is scared because he wasn't expecting it. Yeah. And Michael Mann is laughing so hard that he nearly shook the camera. He's holding the camera. Yeah. <laughs> I apparently all of the cast of Frasier. Yeah. Other than Kelsey Grammer. Yeah. Would rehearse that like a theatrical piece to an inch of its life. Oh, really? And Kelsey Grammer would turn up and just wing it. Right. And they were all such a tight unit that they could just go with it. Yeah. Because they all knew where they were meant to be. They knew all their blocking. They knew all their lines. And, you know, he went through some substance abuse issues. Yeah. During the middle of... Like, it was 11 years. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they could just flow with it. Like, because he's the lead. It's like, yep, whatever he wants to do. Yeah. We'll make go. sure that we're good to go. Yeah. And so, interesting. it's interesting when you like when you say that about, like, he doesn't want to rehearse. He wants to over-rehearse. It's like, I can imagine that situation. Yeah. Like, yeah. And Pacino was up for it. But, yeah, cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Because he's already decided that he's fucking um, on, on a coke uh, come down at um, this point, And this is where he's at. <laughs> Um, they thought about putting it in the movie, but then they thought it would distract from the character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just, but just knowing it. So yeah. when you rewatch it, you go, it's oh, yeah. It's just a fun character. He's note. fucking high as a kite. Yeah. Um, we have the attack on the bridge where Davian is freed and Ethan realizes Julia's life is in danger and he arrives too late. And Davian gives Ethan 48 hours to retrieve the rabbit's foot or he'll oh. murder his new wife. Unfortunately, the IMF arrests Ethan for Davian's loss, uh, but. Luckily, Musgrave helps Ethan escape to Shanghai to meet up with his, this team to get the rabbit's foot. Uh, a lot happens in this section. Um, yeah. what, do, what is your, what's your favourite moments? <sighs> I think probably my favourite moment is the revisiting the lip reading. Yeah. With, with Billy Crudup going blah, 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 blah under yeah. his breath. Because um, you go, oh, it's proper spycraft now. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're doing a dodgy behind Fishburne's back. And I love yeah. that Lawrence Fishburne is, you know, it's it's bushier uh, craziness. It's yes. like, you know, it's let's get everyone, but yeah. also let's be economically rational about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're going to get the bad guys, but we're going to do it cheap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I kind of love that part of it. Uh, and I think Fishburne's having a ball. Yeah, like yeah, Fishburne's having, great. He's like, I know I'm pretending to be the bad guy, but I'm not really. And yeah. he's just like pushing it to the nth degree. Yeah. Um, he's got such a great voice. Yes. Yeah, so it's good. like he's so good in his little scenes in John Wick. Oh, before. yeah. Like he opens it with just belting out some scripture. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's great. Just yelling out some Shakespeare. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's. The bridge scene, I know I've already said that, I find it's really frustrating because it looks like it should be a big scene. Yeah. And the the walls feel too high for some stupid reason. Right. At the edge of the bridge. Right. Which is probably because it was a controlled environment. Right. Whatever it was. But it just like, you know, just pull out a bit. Yeah. Like other than occasionally the helicopter flying past the bridge, it's like, this could be anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Like, and when... When Tom looks jumps, a bit Avengers, doesn't it? Yeah, like when Tom jumps over the hole, it's like I want to see that hole in context. Yeah, I want to see that like with a massive background of like, oh my god, this is miles in the air. Yeah, instead of just looking down through the hole, it's like, well, yeah, that he's jumping over a hole. Yeah, yeah, like I want to see him jumping over a hole on that massive bridge at the Florida Keys. Like I want it to be a big. Kind yeah, of, it just didn't feel. Yeah, again, it felt very televisual. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do enjoy watching him explode to one side. Oh yeah, that's 
that, you know. Again, that's become a weird Mission Impossible trope. Yeah. Like it happened in the first film and Abram's gone, oh yeah, that looked really good. Yeah. We'll do that again. Let's do that again. <laughs> Watching him uh, uh, hitting the van is iconic. Um, I also like that uh, Ethan disguises himself as Richard Dreyfus to get out of... Um, <laughs> To get out of America. <laughs> so, but again, another weird scene for no good reason. Yeah. Uh, once they get to Shanghai, what, what's what's more entertaining for you? The use of baseballs and parachuting to get the MacGuffin, <laughs> or the way Ethan goes a beautiful mind on the window with a texter. <laughs> Look, I love the beautiful mind on the window with a texter. So do I. I don't know what it is, but there is just something so. Delightfully lo-fi oh, about it. It is so good, but it's again it 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 Feels. means it falls back into that thing. It's like, well, that could have been a photo, yeah, of Shanghai, yeah. Like we didn't need to be in Shanghai to see that, yeah. And you know what I find also frustrating? It's like it's a it's an amazing city, and it it feels like you're in a very different country because yeah. like even like Hong Kong feels very, you know. British colonial. Yeah. Like, even though there's a lot of kind of Chinese stuff there, you kind of go, oh, yeah, they drive on the left and there's a lot of statues of old white men. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. it's got a very, you know, it could be Australia, it could be Canada, it could be any of these places that yeah. the British went at some point. Um, whereas Shanghai is like a weird fusion. Like, there's British, there's French, there's Chinese. Like, it's a really gloriously multicultural city. Yeah. Uh, and... You don't really see much of it. Like, you see the, yeah. the tops of their giant buildings, yeah. which are spectacular. But when they're down at the street level, I, I kind of wanted it to be a bit more... Like, have you, have you seen Tomorrow Never Dies with Pierce Brosnan and Michelle Yeoh? Like, you really feel like you're in China. Right. Like, it's a real... Oh, yeah, we're in China. Yeah. This is a Chinese, you know, action sequence uh, for a Bond film. Whereas this feels like... Tom Cruise could be in front of a green screen for right. a lot of it. Like, right. And I know they're there. Yeah. But it just, I don't know whether it's the way it's shot, the the whole minimising feel of it, that it feels like a TV show. But I just never, other than the, the iconic Shanghai buildings, yeah. I never felt that they were in Shanghai. Right. It's a weird, yeah. It's still fun though. Oh, it's yeah! Still, you know the the use of the baseballs and the, the baseball set, like when parachuting, he's sliding, and sliding down and popping them all off yeah. one at a time, <laughs> amazing! Like yeah. it's a fun, proper Mission Impossible moment. Yeah, but again, I wanted another a bit further pull out. Like yeah. I want to see. Oh, that is Tom Cruise up on top of that building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I understand instead of that. Tom Cruise on a, a glass slide. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, we, uh, it's around this time that we discover that Musgrave is a bad guy. What? Billy Crudup. Billy Crudup. Who, who cheated his on his wife. wife. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and, and made off with someone else's girlfriend. Jesus. <laughs> oh, well, maybe they fell in love. Anyway. Maybe they fell in love. Uh, and we arrive at the start of the film with Davian threatening Ethan and Julia. Uh, did you... So, you know, like you, you discover that that's not really... Julia, but you know when she gets popped off. Yeah. Did you believe it the first time? At the start of the film, like the the first time that you saw the movie. Uh yeah, yeah. So did I. Yeah, I I think I recently had watched. I'd tried like because I love spy things. I'd tried to watch Spooks. 
Oh, yeah. Didn't you and get into Spooks? I did eventually. But the first episode I watched, because it was just like on Foxtel, it's like whatever yeah. episode's on, um, someone's girlfriend had her head put in a, a deep fryer and I'm like, I am not watching this again. Her hand. Well, wasn't it? It was something. Something, it was, yeah. There was, some, there was a it's, death. It's fucking... It was a, a death of a girlfriend yeah. in a deep fryer. And I was like, I, I uh, can't... She's a spy. Yeah, but... Yeah. Look, it was a girlfriend. <laughs> right. No, no, she was working. She was on the job. <laughs> Like it's not. She, it wasn't a fridging. It was. It, it was. It was definitely an agent getting taken out. But it was just. Yeah. It was just a moment of like, oh no, this is. I can't. I can't deal with this. This is too much. Because you know, James Bond always saves the ladies. Oh man. No. <laughs> Spooks is unless fucking... they turn out to be a bad lady. Yeah. Then they get. Then dispensed. they're in trouble. But yeah, so it just kind of like upended what I thought was meant to happen in a spy show. Yeah. Um, and so this was the same thing. It's like, oh, is that? Yeah. That is not what happens in a spy show. Yeah. He's just married her. I mean, yeah. you know, it's going to give him cause for revenge. But there's not that much of the movie left to go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Feels like a late time to murder her. Yeah. But, um, murder her in the first act. Yeah. And then, oh, then we've got two acts of revenge. Great. Yeah. Best use of a mask, probably. Yeah. Like really good use, like and it's like also it's a show about masks. Yeah, so we shouldn't fine. be surprised that it yeah. wasn't her. But that's that's what I mean. Like in hindsight, it's like oh yeah, of course she, it was someone wearing a mask. But at yeah. the time, like it's not that far removed from what happened to um, in uh, Mission Impossible Two. Yeah, um, with Rake uh, Cleaver yeah. getting. Um, Getting murdered. Also, I mean, how good are those masks? Like, they're really good. Tandaway Newton thought she was pashing off with Tom Cruise, and yep. it was really do Grace Scott. Yep. Like, they're good masks. I have a, I have a, a, a feeling mm. that the reason she turned out to be in a mask is so that we could believe that Tom Cruise wouldn't give up the secrets, mm. uh, but also. He would have given up the secrets if he knew it was her. Like on yeah. some level, he knew that's not my wife. Right. He just like he would know. Right. He was just happy for someone else to be shot. Yeah. He's right. Just in like, front of him. I can smell that that's not my wife. Oh yeah. Um, I'm I'm not going to give up my secrets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's wearing the wrong uh, perfume. My 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 wife's uh, allergic to lavender. Yeah. <laughs> um, they never said it in the film, but we know it on yeah. some level. On some level. Uh, that that's like his Al Pacino. Cocaine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, character on cocaine <laughs> theory. Like, um, I smell it's not my wife. I will not give up secrets and let whoever that is die. Yeah. <laughs> Too bad, so sad for you. You are not I'm in the saving, main credits. I'm saving the whole world, mate. Yeah. Can't, can't. Sometimes you got to let some people yeah. go. Uh, a weird uh, bleed of real-life politics with Musgrave's reason for working with Davian so they could launch a preemptive strike against the terrorist Davian is working for. It's like, That's mate, I, that made less sense than the fucking rabbit's foot. That was very confusing. <laughs> Um, we arrive at the finale where Benji on the phone sends Ethan to where Julia is and then the two of them have a big fight. And uh, what's the... <laughs> that's essentially what happens. Yeah. There, there's so many things that I love in this uh, finale, starting with Julia suddenly being great with a gun. Well, no, he just told her. Oh, well, that's um, I have here. Ethan must be a good coach. He's he's he he, he trained Felicity to be yeah. a very good spy. Yeah. So, of course, he can train... That montage must have been like the, over the course of an hour. Yeah, that was <laughs> <laughs> that's how good he is. That's how good he is. Yeah. Like that, and just point it and shoot. That's why he was so offended when Luther said, "Are you having sex with her?" It was like I only knew her for forty-five minutes. Yeah, that wasn't a long session. Yeah, Jesus Christ, <laughs> having a crack, mate. Um, I 
The, what about uh, Ethan fighting with his weird disco moves because he's got a pellet in his head? Oh, my God. The the elbow fighting is seriously one of my favourite things. It's like, like, what is it? Why are you holding your head to, like, elbow people in the head? It's It was... Because his head's hurting. Yeah. Because he's got a pellet in it. That's yeah. about to explode. But he has to always, always be hitting people. The good thing about the pellet in the head causing him pain is that in on some level it allows you to believe that Philip Seymour Hoffman could hold his own in a fight against Tom Cruise. Yes. Which is great. Yeah. And also, like, you know, you get some really great scenes. Like, I know we talked about this uh, with John Wick, but it's it's very Daredevil and Kingpin. It's just yes. like, just picking him up and throwing him throwing around. around yeah. So, I'm a big guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what some big guys can do. Yeah. Uh, once again. <laughs> little Tom Cruise. Woo. Oh, yeah. I can, like, I'm surprised. That Abrams probably said, you have to use two hands, Philip. You don't <laughs> it, have to pick him up by one. It yeah. gives away how tall he really is. Yeah, it's two hands. Pretend Tom Cruise has got some weight. <laughs> um, uh, I like how Benji essentially plays Ethan like a video game. Yeah, so cute. <laughs> Once again, the, 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 it's probably that scene and the uh, and the previous scene of explaining the Andy God that gets yeah. him further in. Because yeah. yeah, I did. I will say I did enjoy these street scenes. This felt like we were in China. Um, just running down along those little canals and in and out of those little laneways. I'm like, yeah, we're we're in Shanghai now. Yeah, like this. That's the Shanghai I remember going shopping in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not the one that looks a bit like Vancouver. No. <laughs> we get some classic cruise running as well, which oh, was great. Some spectacular running. But all in all, and then uh, and then it ends in a way where it's like once again, you see Tom walking out as if he's. Normal. We haven't talked about the um, bowl of water defibrillator. <laughs> oh yeah, that's great. That's great. Like, I love that we go. She's a nurse. Yeah, she's going to be good at this. Yeah, but and and the breaking of the 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 tongue depressors. Yeah. Oh yeah. Full on. That is a moment. Yeah. Like that is just like a. Did Tom do that? Did he actually bite down on those? Like I wouldn't doubt it. Like it was, it was amazing. Yeah, it's, it's just it's, like a, oh, he probably defibrillated himself. Probably, <laughs> he's he's bang up for authenticity. <laughs> oh no, no, I was really dead. Michelle actually revived me in that moment. Yeah. She was, yeah. she was so good. She's a great, she's a great actor. Yeah, I had my faith in Zenu <laughs> that everything was going to be okay. <laughs> Heading, I love to believe that that he thinks he died in that moment. Yeah. Yeah, well, I passed on and then uh, they told me I had to come back and save cinnamon. So I did. I came back. So you're welcome, world. You are welcome. Uh, what, how do you feel about Hoffman just getting run over by a car? Yeah, not great. That's a bummer, isn't it? Yeah. It's just like, what? But the, oh. Yeah. It just, it kind of felt like the script ran out of steam. Yeah. It's, it's like, oh, yeah, we could have another big moment, but... Yeah. Although on one level I'm like, well, I'm glad it just stopped. Yeah. Instead of having to have, and you know, I I feel bad complaining about how small this film feels. Yeah. When I'm frequently complaining about it's being too big. Right. Like right. Giant CGI fights at the end. Did, did you think big, this enormous places? Did you think this before, or was you know me mentioning Alexi's thing really pointed out to you? No, I've always found it a little bit. Underwhelming, right? Especially considering where they go. Like you know, they're at the Vatican. Mm. They're in Shanghai. They mm. go to Germany, and yep. a lot of it, you go. I know you filmed at the Vatican because it's a Tom Cruise movie and it's a Mission Impossible movie. Yeah, but 
I really don't see that you're very far from the universal backlot here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there's just a... Yeah, no, I've always, I've always really enjoyed it as a film, as, yeah. an, as an action movie, but I just think it's... Yeah, it's not as spectacular as these films can be. Can be. Well, I, I feel like um, the, I haven't... So, funnily enough, I have not rewatched any Mission Impossible films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I've only ever watched them once. Yeah. And, and I was quite surprised at how much I enjoyed this when I saw it. Yeah. Because I was so low on Tom Cruise. Yes. So, I, I think I have a slightly uh, nicer view of it. I think you know what it is. It's, but it's, I think I think all those criticisms are warranted. I think it's a like it's. I don't want to say it's. It's not a tight script, but it's kind of. Um, it's like a fast fashion garment mm. in that if you wore it too many times, the sleeves would fall off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so if you <laughs> examine it too much, it, yeah, it falls apart at the yeah. seams. But it's it's so entertaining. Yeah, Tom is so entertaining. Yeah, it it just moves at such a great rollicking pace. Yeah. And like you said, Michelle Monaghan is really captivating and you're like, oh, yeah. I don't want her to get shot. No, no, I don't. Um, and then, you know, you get to the end of the film, you're like, yeah, I'm buying her, <laughs> giving him a defibrillation. Yeah, I'm, I'm buying all of that. <laughs> and that she's learned how to fire a gun better than any of these assassins. Yeah. She's great. Uh, segment, who and how, which character do you think you would be and how would you react in their place? <sighs> Again, I know this is the third time we've done this and I'm, I think I would be Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why I'm always the really useless admin guy in these right, films. Right, right. <laughs> no, no, you've got a tie. <laughs> um, but I think I would, I would probably, I would know that Billy Crudup had cheated on his pregnant wife with yeah. someone, yeah. and I wouldn't trust him. Yeah, and so I would believe keep... Ethan over him. Yeah, and which would completely defuse any of the tension. Oh yeah, and no, no, no. You, he could still be playing Ethan to get to. Yeah, up. and to get to Davian, but yeah, I would like. I feel like they've they've painted Fishburne as this, you know, amazing guy, but also an idiot. And yeah, you're like, but he's not playing him like an idiot. No, but no. he's behaving like an idiot. He's, yeah, yeah, which is a weird kind it, of yeah. Um, I think I'd be Kevin hanging shit on Ethan for being boring and not realizing that I'm the boring <laughs> one. I'd be at the, I'd be at that party with all these beautiful women going. You know what? Like. I just, I just don't want to see Ant-Man. Like, I'm just done. Just done with these Marvel movies. Sick of people asking me to watch it. So, segment zero charisma. Kevin, shut up, Kevin. You're the boring one. Kevin is the boring one. Um, poor, poor Maggie Q gets... Um, Mag- I would say Maggie but Q it's not her fault. and Jonathan Rhys-Meyers. Jonathan Rhys-Meyers at least has a scene or two where he's fun. Like, the... Yeah. The talking Italian scene with the broken down car is amazing. Oh, fun. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he's having a ball. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when they're getting changed in, under the Vatican, like, he's having fun. Yeah. But poor Maggie Q gets nothing. Gets nothing. Like, yeah. she gets very short shrift. Yeah, it's a bummer. Yeah. Uh, ruin or improve... Uh, so, better or worse, ruin or improve the movie with one decision? Oh, what's your one? Well, I'd, I'd improve the movie... By getting John Woo in to film some of the set pieces. <laughs> the big set pieces. Like it's, it's like if you amalgamated the yeah. two films, yeah. you'd have a perfect Mission Impossible film. Yeah. I said a similar thing. Give me more widescreen scope. Yeah. And, you know, the bridge, too many close-up and quick cuts. You yeah. know, it should have had more visible scale. Yeah. Like it just... 
yeah, it felt like I was watching. It felt like I was watching an episode of Alias. Yeah, to be honest, which I loved. Yeah, but I never felt like that was a big screen show. No, like there were a lot of tricks to make that look like it was a big screen yeah. show, and it's like you don't need those tricks when you've got a big screen. Yeah. You know what else would have improved the film is if uh, we'd seen more of Kevin just hanging shit on Ethan. And then at one point, <laughs> Ethan says, hey, can you help me with the ice? And then they go into the room and he does like a, a, a nerve pinch and knocks him out. <laughs> but see, this is the thing. Ethan is decent. He wouldn't do that just because oh. Kevin was annoying. Yeah, I know. If then you, later it turned out that Kevin was a spy. Oh, yeah. And was bad. Yeah. Fine. Or maybe working for Lawrence Fishburne. You know, do you know what is the most... <laughs> the most uh, egregious moment in the film Which w- should have been a signal That this is going to be a small film Despite how big it was Pretending to be Is the fact that Ethan uh, Like Tom Cruise Billy Crudup are talking About this, the plan To go and rescue Lindsay yep. In the Seven Eleven. Oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. They're just having a chat while looking at biscuits yeah. and chocolate. And yeah. it's like, no, that should have been, you know, this is one of the things I love about John Wick. It's like, even the smallest conversation, it's like, here's a giant backdrop. We're going to have a chat in front of the uh, Eiffel Tower. Oh, yeah. Or, <laughs> or we're in some room somewhere that has all these paintings. Yeah. Or like thousands of mirrors. So there's yeah. hundreds of us. Yeah. And you don't know how they filmed that without the camera crew being in shot. Well, or, yeah. And you don't understand how that happened. Or, or even the, uh, where is it that, like down in that secret subway area. Yeah. Was still, there was still shit in the background that was interesting. Yeah. And instead... They now that you bring it up, they film it like it's um, the two leads from Breaking Bad catching up to talk about where they're going to buy more meth. Yeah, it's it's just such a small, yeah. ineffectual pop down to the shops. Yeah, and I know that's that was Ethan's cover yeah. for finding that out. But once you leave your cover yeah. to go and talk spy shit, yeah, don't still stay undercover. Yeah, like go and do some spy business. Yeah, have some have a high tech meeting over. <sighs> Like, Billy Crudup could have been a, a hologram in the yeah. toilet. Like, yeah. go into a portaloo and have a chat to a screen. Yeah. But just having a talk over the biscuits in the 7-Eleven, it's just like, yeah. uh, this is the film we're getting. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I feel like you're bumming me out about this film. I feel I like really I enjoyed, enjoyed the it film. more. I yeah. really enjoy the film. I just wanted it to have more no, scale. I do know what you mean. Because it's a Mission Impossible film. Yeah. I it's do not understand. an episode of Alias. Well, maybe you're wrong. I'm fine for Jennifer Garner to go and have a, sh- have a chat with Bradley Cooper over I've the biscuits. biscuits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't want Maggie Q stuck in the biscuit aisle. Yeah, yeah. Get her out of the biscuit aisle. Get Maggie Q hanging off the bottom of a helicopter. Broken, broken biscuits in aisle seven. Maggie Q. Um... Top Gun Maverick emotional scale. I'm, I'm going to grade this a seven and a half because of the fact I did think they'd killed Julia the first time I'd seen the movie. Yeah. yeah. It's, I feel, oh, yeah. It, I've, I felt, I felt that Tom was doing more acting in this film. Yeah. Than yeah. in the last one. Certainly. Yeah. The last one, he was doing a lot of hair acting. Yeah. His hair was great. <laughs> Whereas this one, I felt like he was actually turning up. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is being surrounded by people like Jonathan Rhys Myers and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, you know, people who've already proven themselves in other roles. And he's yeah. like, yeah, no, I can step up. I yeah. can step up to these people. Yeah. Like these are people I respect. Yeah. And I have paid them to be here and I'm going to learn. Yeah. He's really good. Yeah. Um, the Vanilla Sky Sexual Chemistry Award. Uh, Monaghan's a knockout and I yeah. rate this in the upper tier for Cruz. Yeah. Uh, in, in his defense, the leader so far has been the floppy disc in his mouth in the first movie. <laughs> but 
<laughs> I reckon she'd still win, including any other actors. Even, even, even more than the tongue depressors that he snaps with his teeth? Like... Like, he's really into those sticks. Like, I, I, I really rate Michelle Monaghan. <laughs> She's amazing. Um, some squid bits for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was intended to be released in the summer of 2004, but creative differences in the development held oh. it back. David Fincher was the first director in mind, coming oh, wow. off Panic Room in 2002. Now that would have been some big action sequences. Absolutely. He would have given that some big screen veritas. Well, check this out. His vision would have seen Ethan and IMF go up against a shady company selling body parts in South Africa, Ooh. and there are suggestions it would have been rated R. <laughs> David Fincher. <laughs> Fincher is like, bring insane. him onto a franchise. Is like, yeah, you know all the things you like about that? I don't want those in there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I hope he goes and makes that movie. Just make, oh, a, yeah. just make, a, just make that movie. Yeah. It doesn't have to be Mission Impossible. It can be, you know, Impossible Mission. Have there you, you ever watched the work print? Like, the, it's technically oh. a director's cut, but the work print of Alien 3? No, I, I've never gotten around to it. It's really good. Is it? Yeah. yeah it's much more atmospheric than yeah. the one they released. Right. And the, the alien hatching sequence is gruesome right. and amazing. Right. Like, it comes out of a cow carcass. Cow. Yeah. Like, hanging in a... Yeah. It's like, it's... It's, you know, it was the film he made before Seven, but it's like, oh, yeah. He, yeah, this, this aesthetic. Yeah. It's, um, I've got it somewhere, actually. It's I've, really I've, good. I've always thought about getting around to it. It's, yeah. I really, like, there's a lot more Paul McGann in it. Oh, um, great. And there's, there's a lot more acting, like, people acting against, like, you know how the, the film that came out was like, there's an alien, it's bad, let's stop it. Yeah. But there's people kind of, Acting for the alien Right Because it's like Which is a thing that happens In all alien movies yeah. But that kind of got excised From this one Right right. In the final version But it's like there's a And not deliberately Because they're crazy Yeah 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 <laughs> Wasn't that the movie Where the planet was meant To be made out of wood That was one of the Yeah that was one of the early Drafts Yeah, yeah. Um, Next up was director Joe Carnahan, who Cruz was an executive producer on his cop film, Narc. And Carnahan cast Kenneth Branagh as a villainous domestic terrorist, Carrie-Anne Moss as the love interest, and Scarlett Johansson as Ethan's IMF protege. Wow. That's a good cast. That is a great cast. Uh, Unfortunately, Carnahan was also angling for an R rating and the studio was not into this. No. Cruz met Abrams while he was working on War of the Worlds and then binged Abrams' series, Alias. Alias. He offered him the movie to make his directorial debut even though, and even though he was busy on Lost, Abrams accepted the job. Uh, this pushed the movie back to accommodate Abrams and because of this, we lost Brenner and Moss and Johansson. But so, we got Morpheus from The Matrix. But so we got Morpheus, you know. so you know... <laughs> One Matrix in, one Matrix out. Also, the, the our first taste of Kerry Russell playing a spy, which she did beautifully yeah. on The Americans for a number of years. Yeah, right. I've never watched The Americans. Oh, it's great. It's, Matthew Reese yeah. is so good. I, um, because I've been watching uh, Perry Mason, so mm. his mum, she sent me an interview of the two of them on, I think, Letterman or something like oh, that. Oh, because they're both in Cocaine Bear. Oh, um, oh! This is an no, old one. Old, old, old one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was great. Like the two of them together are pretty. They're funny. really funny. Yeah, yeah. Because because Margot Martindale is also in Americans, the yes. Americans, and yeah, I saw an interview with the three of them, 
and talking about cocaine bear because they're all in it. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, we're a package deal now. Like you have yeah. to hire all of us. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he's really, um, he's really dry. He's got these, he reminds me of, um, I, I know they're both Welsh and that's probably why, but uh, what's his name that works with David Tennant? What's Russell it? T. Davis? No, 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 no. The Welsh actor. The Welsh I'm drawing actor. Drawing a, a blank on his name. Someone's listening. Oh, Michael Sheen. Michael Sheen. Yeah. Who also can be quite dry. You know, if you want to see two attractive men uh, talking bollocks for hours, you know everyone loves The Trip, mm. which is Rob Brydon and Steve mm. Coogan. Um, Matthew Good and oh. Matthew Reese have made a series where they just drink wine. Wine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so uh, he was on a podcast recently that I was listening to and his mum told him it's the best thing he's ever made. And he was, and then when he couldn't go back for season two because of... COVID. No, oh, no because of, um, I think because of Perry Mason. Oh, right. She was devastated. It's like, I'm making Perry Mason. Oh, no, it was when he was making... Um, it was when Cocaine he was beer. making no 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 the Spielberg movie with the post. Oh. So he's like, well, I'm in a movie with Tom Hanks and, and Meryl, Meryl Streep. But she's like, oh, yeah, but movie. the the, the, oh, the wine show. It's the best thing you've ever made. <laughs> um, Love him. That's so funny. So uh, Abrams, when he came on board, brought in Roberto Orci and uh, Alex Kurtzman to write a new draft that focused more on the IMF team dynamic. Yeah. Uh, Kurtzman and Orci are two of my, like, they've written some of... Is it Orci or Orci? I would say Orci, but it's probably... Orci, yep. Um, but that's just me. It could be wrong. Um, but yeah, they are... They're like the MVPs of the Abrams world. Like they yeah. they show ran Fringe, which yeah. is one of my favorite shows of all time. Yeah. Like just incredible. And Alex Kurtzman now is like the overall boss of Star Trek. Star Trek, yep. Like he's calling all the shots there and making some great, you know, TV. But yeah. Although he did make that terrible mummy film with Tom Cruise. Ah, uh, you know, you don't get all of them right. Yeah, they can't all be gems. Yep. Um <laughs> Thandaway Newton was offered the chance to reprise her oh, wow. role, but she declined, citing she wanted to focus on her family. But I reckon, in hindsight, that was because she was like, fuck that. Or she'd seen the script. She was offered the Maggie Q role, and she's gone, what, I drive a car? Yeah, That's yeah. the whole extent of my... Yeah, or did they want to bring her in for the Michelle Monaghan? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. That would have been more fun. Like, she yeah. would have been great at that. Yep. I would have believed her in that. Yeah, would have given her more to do. Um, Ricky Gervais was cast as Benji, but had to pull out due to production delays that led to uh, scheduling conflicts with the film for your consideration, the Christopher Guest slash Eugene film. It's interesting to think about. Yeah. Peg's better. Peg's so much better. And also, I can say I did a gig once with uh, someone who's in this film. Yeah, it's great. It's my sixth ever gig. Yep. I was on the bill at Le Joke at The Last Laugh upstairs, yep. and he was headlining. Great. I know. So, you you should be in the next Mission Impossible. I b- probably should, yeah. Yeah. That's how that works. <laughs> um, so, this movie hit the cinemas after Cruz had a nervous breakdown, jumping up and down on Oprah's couch during her talk show. Oh. And this was also after the Balls of Steel team squirted Cruz with water during an interview. Oh dear. Um, and this was also around the time that the South Park episode Trapped in the Closet aired. Yeah. And there were rumours that Cruz insisted Viacom, which owned both Paramount and Comedy Central, to pull repeats or he wouldn't promote the new movie. Ooh. So while none of this hurt the opening weekend, this film is the lowest grossing instalment 
of yeah. the series. Um, and look, I also imagine people came out of the cinema and went, yeah, it's fine. Like, yeah. no, there's nothing... There's nothing in it that you go, oh, you've got to see it because of this. Yes. Like, even though I enjoyed it, it, it's, you know, I had a pretty low bar for how I felt about Cruise at the time. And I still am not necessarily a fan, but I can ignore him in the movie that I'm enjoying. Like, he's this beautiful blank spot on the the screen. (laughs) Uh, A couple of more things that made me laugh. While in Rome, to distract... Inquisitive crowds from watching them film the movie. They set up a phony second unit close by and then hired girls in bikinis and older women dressed as nuns to pretend they were filming parts of the movie. Oh, and wow. this allowed them to film relatively undisturbed. I want someone to make a oh, movie wow. about that fake movie. Yes. Being made. The nuns and bikinis movie. Nuns, what is that? Uh, yep. Yeah, nuns. I mean, they're shoot. in Italy. Like, if you want to distract people. Nuns and girls in bikinis is the way to go about it. Oh, it's so smart. <laughs> like, it's really smart. You can make that widescreen. They probably did. Yeah. They probably had the bloody second... Second director. <laughs> yeah. You look at that. It's like, jeez, that looks magnificent. So, yeah. I, I, I really do enjoy this film. It's fun. Yeah. I, I don't want anyone to think I hate it because I know I've been railing against certain aspects of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> No, 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 but I, I think they're fair criticism, so. Um, the uh, final thing for you, to promote the film, Paramount rigged 4,500 randomly selected Los Angeles Times vending boxes with digital audio players which would play the theme song when the door was open. Oh, wow. The audio players didn't always stay concealed, in many cases coming loose, dropping onto the newspapers and often mistaken for bombs. <laughs> Police... Bomb squads detonated a number of the vending boxes. They even temporarily shut down a veterans hospital in response to one of these, and I say this inverted commas, threats. (laughs) Isn't that great? That is some publicity gone wrong. Uh, um, I love love old school PR. It just doesn't happen anymore. Ah, yeah. Nowadays it's just like, oh, yeah, just come to the movie. We'll do some green screen in the corner. You can stand in front of the... Well, they don't even really promote too far out anymore because yeah. of people's attention spans. It's all about, you know... The opening weekend. Yeah. And it's... Yeah. I feel like we've... And also because they're fighting for space with streaming. Yeah. About but, launch but stream, dates and But things. also streaming's dying. Yes. Streaming's dying big time. I mean, it always... Basically, what's wrong is like streaming for a long time was... Measured on new subscribers. Yeah. And then one day someone went, is it profitable? Um, yeah. <laughs> and they were like, oh, actually, no. Yeah. And so now streaming is being, it's like, is it profitable? And it's like, well, yeah, no. So yeah. stop spending money on it. Yeah. <laughs> that's why we're going to get a lot less Marvel and Star Wars series. That's why that Indiana Jones series got cancelled yeah. as well. Yeah. Which is, I mean, look. It's it's sometimes hard to drag out a franchise in which there's nothing new to say. Yeah. Like Willow. Oh, yeah. Like... I feel like... The film was fine. Why I, do we need another one? Yeah. I feel like Star Wars, like, jump ahead a thousand years. Yeah. And, and have all the characters that we know be, you know, talked about the way Jesus was talked about. Yeah. You know... That would be cool. That would be great. And people then we'd know obsessed when... obsessed with, you know, the Skywalkers as but, if they were mythology. Yeah, and people getting things wrong. Yeah. The, you know, the, the... the Go and pitch that now. 
who wants to fucking deal with the Star Wars yeah, fandom? That's true. Who wants the, to deal with any of the fandom? All of it's fan- become yeah, it's like toxic. for a while there, it was hilarious that it was like, look at DC, look at their toxic fandom. And it's like, no, it's that's everyone. It's now everyone. Yeah, everyone. that was just the Snyder Bros. That's a different story. Oh man, but it's, it's <laughs> who are still now. going. Still going. Yeah. They've like convinced that they... Oh, we changed one thing once. We can change everything. Oh, well, no, he mate. keeps feeding it as well. Yeah, I know. He loves it. And he's got his new... Uh, his version of Star Wars coming out. Oh, Rebel really? Moon. Oh, yeah. On the Netflix. Yeah. Did you watch his um, zombie movie on the Netflix? Yeah. It was not very good. I, I was fascinated because heaps of people raved about it to me. Yeah, I don't know who those people were. Like, there were so many shots where they were quite clearly... The, the actors weren't anywhere near the other actors. No. Well, I mean, Tignataro replaced someone entirely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, you're like, how does that happen? I was like, that's right. These films are made in... Uh, they're like a collage. Yeah. Uh, no one's actually in the same room with each other. Also, there were, like, weird robotic um, zombies that were never explained. Yeah. Strange film. Yeah. Anyway, isn't that going to become a whole... Yeah, I think it's meant to be like a whole thing, but <sighs> yeah, anyway, I, I, I was happy with The Last of Us. <laughs> and everyone who's played the game, stop telling me that it doesn't live up to the game. I don't give a shit. Yeah, exactly. Like, I really it's don't. It's a completely give a shit. different thing. Yeah, like it doesn't need to be. Yeah, better or worse. Yeah, it's it's its own thing. Yeah, I played the game. I enjoyed it, but I played the game like in when did it come out? Like twenty twelve or something. Yeah. Like I don't remember it. Yeah. I can remember some scenes that were really kind of seared into my mind, but yeah. but Gary's played it like he just played it again for like the twelfth time or something, and so when he was watching the show, he goes, "Oh, that doesn't happen like that." And I'm like, "I don't remember yeah any of this." It's also guess what doesn't happen in the episode. Ethan get uh, Ethan uh, Joel gets shot, and then you restart yeah. at the saving point. Oh yeah, like it's a, it's a TV series. Yeah, people anyway. get people get killed all the time. Um, <laughs> our final segment, sum it up. Uh, so, for you, the movie is good but too small. Uh, look, I'd give it maybe a, like a three and a half. Yeah. Um, it's it's enjoyable. Yeah. The performances are great. Yeah. Uh, apart from poor Maggie Q, who's got nothing to do but wear a dress. Yeah, it's not her um, fault. And it's you know there are some there are some cute attempts. At action sequences, but yeah. none of the set pieces feel like they're big enough. Like yeah. it just, it's a Mission Impossible movie. I want you know, like look at the opening of Casino Royale. Yeah, he chases a guy down the arm of a crane. Yeah, and there's parkour all over the place. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's so good. It runs through a wall. Yeah, um, the and most Ethan does is uh, do a little pendulum. <laughs> well, he- even in uh, Casino Royale, when they end up in a in a warehouse, he's getting hit so hard in the knackers yeah. that you don't think about whether that's a soundstage or not because you're too busy thinking that looks really sore. Yeah. I mean, and that's in the book. It's a yeah. carpet beater in the book, not a, a knot. Right. <laughs> but still, it's like you're like, oh, wow, you yeah. went there. Man, it's got a mash cock at the end of it. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, Why do women keep sleeping with him? It's yeah, just, maybe that's what it is. It's like, Jesus. I want to see how mashed it is. Yeah. Get your, get your mashed knob out. Um, I've I, heard you got mashed in the knob. Yeah. I, I, I feel like Hoffman, Crudup and Monaghan really yeah. elevate this. Well, you know what? I'm like you. Tom, Cru- I'm giving this uh, Tom Cruise's three and a half jaw flexes out of five. Awesome. 
We're on the same page. And then we, um, and and then we are heading into um, where it becomes big, like really yeah, big, really big. We're about to go huge. Yeah. It's it's almost like maybe this film. Look, I don't know what the budget was like, but maybe this film was made in this efficient way that Abrams has. Yeah. So that it could prove it still has legs. It yeah. would have made a massive profit. Yeah. Because they've not really spent as much money as they normally, you know. I'm sure they didn't spend anywhere near as much money as they did on the Sydney one because that yeah. looks expensive. Yeah. This looks kind of cheap. Yeah. Um, but maybe it made enough of, like it's the lowest grossing, but maybe it made enough money that they went, well, we can do another one. Yeah. Well, that's it, isn't it? It doesn't, uh, it doesn't have to be the amount of money it makes. It has to be what the profit's like. Yeah. Did you know that John Wick was like, Three weeks away from being released online. Really? The yeah, first, the first one. one? Yeah. Wow. They had no belief in it whatsoever. Yeah. And then three weeks out, Lionsgate went, no, you know what? We're going we're gonna to release this. In the, in we're going to buy and release it in the cinema. Yeah. And now uh, the chapter four is the biggest earner out yeah. of the John Wick series. It's huge. Anyway, that probably says a lot about uh, Mission Impossible 3 when we spend a lot of time talking about John Wick 4. <laughs> exactly. Like if... if if it had a look like John Wick. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Adam. Thank you. Thank you to Adam again for joining me on this podcast. We are loving doing this. We've already recorded the next one and it's, it's just great. What a good time. Thank you also to Susie for being our Patreon supporter of the episode. Don't forget to head to patreon.com forward slash Justin Hamilton if you'd like to gain access to bonus podcasts and more. And a quick reminder about my show with Tim Ferguson on June 13th at the Harold Park Hotel. Head to bigsquidpod.com, click on gigs and you will find all the details you need there. If you'd like to support this podcast, but money is super tight and don't get me wrong, I, I get it. I totally get it. Uh, but sometimes people want to help out. A top review on Apple Podcasts will help people find the work that my friends and I are doing here, and that's just as good as anything. So I hope you're well. I'll be back soon. We have a Space Podacy coming up with Ben Elwood. We're covering the movie Her, and there's a few more goodies in the works. So I'm looking forward to having your company again soon. Until then. <laughs>